0: Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. There
1: is an end. And so John gives us this final section here in his letter. And again, it revolves around prayer. You know, prayer is something that we need to be active in. And so often we get discouraged in prayer because we don't see the results that we would like. We don't see the things happening the way that we would like, and so we we get discouraged, and and we immediately assume that God is not listening, that God doesn't care, and everything is just up to chance, that somehow things happen, and then sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. And for the casual observer, that may be true for them, but for us, we know that God is in control.
0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob begins a two-part series in the last verses of John's first epistle on prayer. God would have us ask anything in prayer, not to imply that anything we ask for will be granted, but anything in the sense that we can and should pray about everything. God cares about our whole life, and nothing is too small or too big to pray about. As Paul wrote in Philippians 4, 6, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he begins this important lesson.
1: Uh, let's open our Bibles to 1 John chapter 5, beginning in verse 14. We're going to hopefully finish this epistle of John's this morning. John's first letter, first John chapter five. Last week we got, I think, through verses six through thirteen. This morning I'd like to get through fourteen to the end, which is another eight verses. And it's interesting this, these eight verses that we're going to be looking at this morning really revolve around prayer. Um, God's will in prayer and also praying for those, uh, with sin issues. And praying for, for those who, um, are erring and, and things we ought to pray for. And so why don't we get into this and let's read verses 14 down through 21. So John the apostle, he writes, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, speaking of Jesus, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. If anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask and he will give him life for those who commit sin not leading to death. There is a sin leading to death. I do not say that he should pray about that. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is sin not leading to death. Verse 18, we know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. And so John gives us this final section here in his letter. And again, it revolves around prayer. You know, prayer is something that we need to be active in. And so often we get discouraged in prayer because we don't see the results that we would like. We don't see the things happening the way that we would like and so we, we get discouraged and, and we immediately assume that God is not listening, that God doesn't care and everything is just up to chance. That somehow things happen and then it, sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. And for the casual observer, that may be true for them, but for us, we know that God is in control. And I know and I believe in the power of prayer. I believe that we're praying to a God who knows all things. He's omnipotent, meaning he's He's all-powerful. He's omniscient, meaning he's he he, he he knows all things. He can't learn anything because he knows everything, and he's omnipresent. He's all places at once. He can't be fooled. He can't be hoodwinked ever, and he never needs to get information from us. Although there are passages in the Bible that, that make it sound like God is uh, not sure what's going to happen, he knows exactly what's going to happen. And sometimes He tries us, not so that He can gain information, but so that we can understand where we truly are with Him. And I don't know about you, but that—that that is such a wonderful safety net, isn't it? To know that when we pray, whenever the things that we do, we've got the everlasting arms supporting us underneath. We don't need to worry uh, too much because God is holding us. And he will hold us, even in our mistakes. And that's what I love about God. He's not obligated to clean up all the mess all the time. There are consequences for when we err, when we go south in a sense. But he is faithful. He is faithful. And he will guide and direct your path. And so we just need to keep our eyes focused on him and to continue to pray. Let's look at the first verse here. Verse 14, it says, Now this, is the confidence that we have in him. Notice the confidence is in him. It's in Jesus. It's not in ourselves. That if we ask anything, notice, underline this, according to his will. There is the key to this whole thing. There are passages in the Bible that talk about, you know, Jesus saying to his disciples, you haven't asked anything. Up to this point, you haven't asked for anything. Ask and you will receive. What there's And ask, but ask in my name. And there's the, the, the most important part of it ask in my name that means according to his will does that make sense because when you take the all those those scriptures and you put them together you come away understanding that when we pray we pray we should be praying in accordance to his will and whatever we pray we always uh understand that his will needs to be done whether we like it or not because god wouldn't be a good father if he just gave his children whatever they were stomping their feet for have you ever had a child stomp their feet in front of you i want it Now, Mm. you ever? I did that last yesterday to my wife. You know, have you ever seen your husband do that, ladies, or you have your kids do that? You know, you just stomp your feet. You want it now. You want it your way, right away. And God says, if I gave you everything you wanted, Rob, you would be a complete disaster. I would lead you in a path that would just destroy you. You would destroy yourself. I wouldn't have to do anything. So as a loving father, I have to withhold from you the things that I know are going to harm you, the things that are going to destroy you. You don't even understand it. It even looks like a good thing. You're thinking that this thing is a good thing, but you don't understand the bigger picture like I know. Isn't that what it says in Isaiah 55, verse 8? For I know your thoughts says the Lord. My thoughts are above your thoughts. My ways are above your ways. As far as the heaven is from the earth, so are my thoughts above your thoughts, and so are my ways above your ways. We can't figure it out. We we can't. We have finite minds, but he alone is infinite, and he knows what he is doing, and we have to rest and trust in him. But in this verse, now this is the confidence. This word confidence means literally Outspokenness. It means being frank. It means being blunt. And it means doing it publicly as well. It's a, it's a freedom. It's, it's unreserved speech. Does that make sense? To where you just you're completely free to speak. There's boldness. There's you're 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 fearless. That is the idea. Now this is the confidence. This is the fearless public bluntness, frankness that we have in Him, Jesus Christ. And here it is: that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. He hears us. Do you have confidence in prayer? We'll start right over here. Do you have confidence? <laughs> we'll just go through the whole room, and you know we'll hold up the cards at the end. You know, I, I really don't. Uh, sometimes, sorta. Yeah, man, I'm on fire. Get out of my way. But do you have confidence in prayer, or rather, do you have confidence in Jesus Christ in prayer? See, there are many in the church, and not just our fellowship, and, and, but there, and there are some, even in this fellowship, who've given up on prayer. But over the church, over across this country, unfortunately, there are those who have given up on prayer. They've given up. Instead of going to the prayer meeting, they'll just sit home and watch, watch their latest sitcom, whatever it is. But I want to invite you, to come to our prayer meeting on Tuesday night. I've been so encouraged the last couple of weeks. We've had quite a few more people coming to our Tuesday night prayer meetings at 7. You are more than welcome and when the room gets too small, we'll move somewhere else into the fellowship hall. Okay. I would love to see uh that that, that is the secret to any ministry. It's the secret to any church body is prayer. And when we do not pray, we get what we what we get we get what we deserve in a sense. See, God is gracious and he loves us, but he'll rarely do anything great without us praying. Because if we could care less, he's like, I've got so much for you, but I'm not going to bestow it upon a people that don't want it. we got to want it. Do you want it? Do you want that deeper relationship with him? Do you want to have that fellowship, that oneness with each other? We need that. And this body is pretty decent. you know. We, we love each other and we, we help each other. But I think in any fellowship in the world, we could always be doing better. We could always be digging in a little more than what we are. Now if your prayer life is great, praise the Lord for that. I I, you know I applaud you. But if it is not, it's time for us to wake up and to do something about it. And we don't pray to twist God's arm, we pay we pray so that we can have communion with Him, to know Him. That is the thing. And then we wait and we listen, we wait for His answer. And no is an answer. And yes is an answer too. Whenever we don't get the word yes, we assume that God didn't answer our prayer. But maybe he did. You just don't like the answer. We always like to think that God is, he only answers our prayer when he gives us what we want. Oh, Lord, I pray for this. And then he gives it to you. He answered my prayer. Lord, I want this and it doesn't happen. Well, he didn't hear that one. No, maybe he did. He knew exactly what you were praying. He's like, no, I can't give it to you. Or maybe the answer is not yet. It's going to take some time. You're not mature, to ha- mature enough to handle that thing. For you, specifically. He can handle it, she can handle it, but you can't handle it right now because there's an idol in your heart. I can't entrust it to you because if I did, it would destroy you and you'd walk away from me. And I know that the best place for you to be is at my feet. That's where the instruction comes. That's where the worship happens but do you have confidence in Jesus Christ in prayer? He's not a genie in a lamp. You know, the genie in Aladdin, remember, he gave the, those who would rub the lamp three wishes, and they're usually wishes that cater to the flesh. That's usually what people do. If we had an Aladdin's lamp, what would people pray for? Lots of money. The big house, because with money you can do almost anything. But is there really happiness in having lots of money? I've known some millionaires who aren't very happy people. But I've also met some millionaires that are very generous, and they give simple, simply, and, 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 they're, and they're happy. But there are others who are miserable, because that is their God. But prayer is a two-way conversation. We ask, and then we wait for God to answer in whatever way he chooses. And we pray by faith in Christ, because he's able to perform what we ask, unlike anyone else in the universe. We're not even able to orchestrate our own lives with 100% accuracy. Have you ever tried, have you had your list out, and this is what I'm going to do this day? And God has a way of just throwing wrenches into your into your laundry list of to-dos. I've experienced that so many times, and I find myself wrestling and striving against God. And he's like, would you just give up already? Because I've got a better plan for you. And by the way, at the end of the day, you're going to be more rested, and you're going to have a better attitude if you would just submit to me. Because number one, you're way too busy. you're way too busy you're like that proverbial cat where somebody's got his hand on the on the tail and the cat's running around in circles we can be like that but we never ought to doubt that god is able he is able we don't want to be like the person in the book of james in chapter and in chapter one verse five it's in five through eight it says this James encourages us, he says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. There's the prayer. Let him ask, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. In other words, don't doubt the one that you're praying to. God is able. If he can speak things into existence when there was nothing, believe me, it is very easy for him to heal your body, if it's his will, if it's his will. He's able to fix whatever problem you have if it is will. But sometimes those problems are there by design, by divine appointment to get us to a place that we need to be. Because for some reason, without trials, without tribulations, I very rarely ever grow. I need those things in my life. They're governors. They're my safety nets sometimes. And sometimes I get frustrated and I just want to get them out of my way so that I can destroy myself. Have you ever, does that bear witness? Can I get a witness? Seriously, isn't it the truth? But notice, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let that not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. A double-minded man is somebody who is two-spirited. Two-spirited, not one. they got two different spirits raging in them. The flesh and the spirit of God. One wants to do one thing, one wants to do the other. You know what? You need to be single-hearted, single-minded, single-souled. Sold out for Christ. Let his will be done. It's the best place. But we again, we like it when he answers in the affirmative quickly. We like it when he answers quickly. But yet, no is still an answer. Not yet is still an answer. Are you impatient? Are you impatient in prayer? This is why the Bible has so much to speak about patience. In Galatians chapter 5, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. One of them, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. And here it is, long-suffering. In our English, it means patience. We need patience. I need to grow in patience. And the problem is, the greater the conveniences that we have in our life, and the easier things get, usually the more impatient we grow because we've grown accustomed to ease and convenience. Does that make sense? It's like a baby. If you continually give a baby candy or an infant candy, and all of a sudden you give them asparagus, you're going to have a problem. You give that baby candy and a lollipop every morning, and they're used to licking that lollipop, and on Friday morning you give them asparagus instead, you're going to have a screaming child throwing stuff all over the kitchen. Right? And often we can be like that because we're used to certain things. Today is a good example. You know, we came in here, I mean, thank God it's warming up, but, you know, we're so used to certain things happening. And then when we come in, we got a freezer we walked into this morning. We're so used to things. We're so used to the ease and the comfort that when it's taken away from us, boy, we can get nasty inside. We can say, well, I'm leaving, I'm going home, whatever it is. But if we lack confidence in prayer, it may be that we just don't understand who God is and his character. Or it may be that we are asking the wrong thing. Or even worse, maybe we are struggling in faith that God would even answer our prayer. Turn with me to Mark chapter 9. This is a wonderful passage, and I think we can all relate to it. Mark chapter 9, beginning in verse 14. It says, When Jesus came to his disciples... Mark chapter 9, verse 14. He saw great multitudes around them and the scribes disputing with them. And immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed. And running to him, they greeted him. And he, he asked the scribes, What are you discussing with them? Then one in the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought to you my son who has a mute spirit. So this son is demon-possessed. So in verse 18 he says, And and, and wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth. He gnashes at his teeth, and he becomes rigid. And so I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it away, but they could not. And Jesus answered and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. And then they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming at the mouth. And so as he asked his father, how long has he been, how has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you, if you can do anything, notice, if, but if you can do anything, son of God, creator of the universe, if you can do anything, Have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And I love this man's honest answer. He said, Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. You know, there's a there, there's a row a, of a, a disconnect when we don't believe that the one we're praying to can really do it. He's up for the task. Is he strong enough? Is he wise enough? Is he all-powerful enough to fix whatever it is that I'm asked him? You know, and so this man was struggling. And you know what? God healed the child in spite of the man's faith, in spite of his vacillation in his faith of Christ. Not really sure whether he could really do this. I've seen you do other things, but I'm not sure you can do this. Therein lies the problem. And see, it's not even bound up in our faith. It's not even so much my faith that gets the job done. It's his faith. When we pray, we are we are resting in his sovereign hand, not in some faith that I have, or or maybe my faith is little. It doesn't matter about my faith. If I pray and it's God's will, it's going to come to pass. And I want to encourage you in that, because sometimes we pray for loved ones that are sick, And they don't get healed, and they pass away. And we think, you know, God, we know. And I've seen, I've heard of instances where people have been delivered from cancers. They've been delivered from these things. These things really do happen, folks. Sometimes it's just part and parcel in this sinful world, this fallen world, that's part of the fall of man. It's the going to death, the death of the human body. That's part of the the fall of man. That's part of the result. That's part of the consequence. We don't live as long as we used to. It's part of it. Sometimes our aunts and our uncles, they need to go. Sometimes God can deliver them. It's up to Him. And we should pray. But don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged. God's will is being meted out. In Psalm 84, I love this. God will it says, "No good thing will He will God uphold or withhold." I'm sorry. No good thing will He withhold from those who walk uprightly. And He goes on the next verse: "Blessed is the man who trusts in You, Lord. Blessed is the man who trusts in You. He will not withhold from You any good thing." Do you believe that? It's easy to say right now, "Yeah, I believe that." But do you believe that when you're going in through your darkest hour? Believe me, those are, the, those are the waters that we're tried in. Those are the times that we're really measured. And see, God knows, I don't know myself. I don't know what it takes to break me. I don't know what it's going to take to get me out of my self-confidence or whatever it is that my problem is. I don't know what's necessary for God to break me of that, but he does. And he knows the measure. He knows exactly how to do it and the duration of it. And it's different for everybody. And yet we look at each other and say, well, God didn't do anything with you when you did this. Hey, think of that as God's grace. Because sometimes two people can do the very same thing and God can really put the hammer on one and the other one gets off, or at least they think they do. And maybe it's the next instance of that particular sin that God says, okay, I, I can't let this go any further. I've given you all the rope that I can because I know your heart. And boy, isn't that scary that God knows us more than we know ourselves? I don't even know, because had we known that, we wouldn't have gone that far, right? Is that true? But because we don't know ourselves, God knows, and boy, that's a scary thought. That's why it's so important that when we get caught up in a sin, whatever it is, we need to repent and we need to take it very seriously because we we're often so footloose and fancy-free with sin these days. God's a God of grace. Throwing that up all the time. God's a God of grace. Yes, he is a God of grace. And if you understood his grace, you would turn quickly from what you're doing. And you would no longer do it. And you would beg him to give you the gift of repentance. It is a gift. Ask him for it. And because he's a good shepherd, he has the right to deny you something that's going to hurt you or corrupt you. And see, that is what a good shepherd does. A good shepherd, a physical shepherd of sheep, he goes out into the field beforehand. David was very familiar with this kind
0: of... I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as we continue our study in John's epistles.